Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Alrighty, hello there and uh, welcome. It's the Tuesday Lori and Julia show. My Talk 1071 Everything Entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, let's see, the diaper drive. Let's talk about that. We're doing it as we did last year for the hurricanes. We're doing it again for Hurricane Florence. It's presented by Ungerman Restoration. And what's going to happen is on Wednesday at Rosedale from 9 to 6, and then on Thursday at the general store in Minnetonka, same hours, we're going to be collecting diapers and wipes and clothing, and we're going to send all of that to the North Carolina Diaper Bank. It was a great success last year. You people really dug deep, and we were uh, astounded by how much uh, material you uh, you donated. So hopefully we'll do that again. Lori and Julia will be at the general store in Minnetonka. They'll be out there Thursday, and that'll be from noon to 1. Noon yes, to one. and you know, I saw pictures this morning on the news. It's devastating. There's so, so much, much flooding. Water. People are not going to be able to go back to their homes. It's not going down, and, yeah, and, yeah, and worse is going to come still. Yeah, I would just bad. be having, yeah. It's, it's bad. So we appreciate what anyone can do, and you can donate cash. If you go to my talk and type in keyword what, Donnie? Diaper. Diaper. There you go. Yeah. By the way, you were asking about Sunday night football. That has about 21 million viewers on a typical Sunday night. Yeah, I... I I get their decision. Yeah, no, but the Emmys last night, I mean, Julia, oh. I, I guess there are other people who were not expecting Michael Che and Colin Jost to be great. I kind of thought that they would be good because they've been out there for a month, but a it was month? basically Saturday an Night SNL produced Emmy broadcast. And mm. uh, thank goodness there were so many exciting different winners. Yes, that was fun. Um, because and, a lot of the people that we were cheering for and didn't even expect to win won. Yes. So, I mean, that was that part was really fun. But when the hosts don't come out, I mean, when like that musical number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched it. Mm-hmm. And? <laughs> Julia? Yes. Well, it was just. But I had closed captioning on, so at least I knew (laughs) what they were saying and talking about. You know what was the what was it called? We got to win, or um, we got it. We got it. Solving the diversity. We got it. But but I mean, yeah, it was just like I was just like, oh no, I think that I think uh, the Hollywood Reporter or Variety said it was the worst produced uh, award show since. Disney produced the one Academy Award with Rob Lowe and the singing Snow White. Right. Or James Franco and Anne Hathaway. It was like the hosts were... Wooden? They didn't know afraid. what to do. They were behind their desk. Well, in Lori, you said it, you know, we, I, I just felt like it was 
clipping along, and my little sister said, "Oh, it was so fun." I'm like, "It was." Oh, I thought it was I fun mean, from I like the standpoint because of the awards and there were so many like kind of random and awkward things that happened. Oh. The hosts did nothing. They were, I think they were afraid because they were seemed so wooden. Listen, this is going to... Lauren Michaels produced that show. He won't be asked to do it again. Ever. Because it was an homage to SNL. I couldn't believe it. The last award of the night and Keenan... Thompson from SNL yeah. presents best drama. Yeah, I know. I'm like, where, where's a big star? Star. Well, and I think they said it best is that the two guys, you know, Keenan and Michael Che, um, Colin, Colin Jost, Jost, and Michael yes, Che, they don't even like award shows. Well, so, it was obvious. I mean, so they when just you don't weren't... like it and you're hosting it, and I guess this was like the worst thing I ever heard is that. You know, they um, don't like award shows and they well, that think happened it's just... like a month ago. They gave an interview that was disastrous. And and one of our bloggers that we like, Lainey. Yeah, Lainey, Lainey Gossip. Gossip uh-huh. She was like, this is not a good sign when their first interview as host, they talk about how much they don't really like award shows. It was like they were so laid back. And yeah. then they and waiting kept, for reactions. They were trying to be the anti-host. They, so yeah. we're, we're and cool. they weren't picking up on stuff. Yeah. And then the scripted stuff, a lot of it was about diversity. And then more and more white like, people kept winning. Yeah, when, and they made the banter be a lot about with the presenters. And a lot of them were SNL people. They were. Very few movie stars or TV and when stars. They, and when they did come out together, we didn't understand. Well, here white. comes Connie Britton and, and Eric, Eric Bana. Bana. They are currently starring in Slala. We don't know why they're together. You're right. They didn't do any of that and then even the the lack lackadaisical stage and every winner had to go up under a, like a 60 foot picture of themselves mm-hmm. i mean it was weird it was it was it was cheap production cringe worthy and tone deaf embarrassment oh well oh and it was like <laughs> and then they were mocking the beginning of the emmys you know they were it was the the shtick was with um who's the funny one who was sitting at the table with fred armonson Oh, Maya Rudolph. Oh, my gosh. That was painful. They kept, they were going to be the Emmy experts and they kept going, cutting away to them and they'd be eating and. They literally didn't get one singular laugh. It was painful. It was painful. And and even the there was nothing to laugh about. No. And in the moments when you saw people who know how to do that and have a passion like when for James Corden came out and he ad libbed something. Yeah, and lit up the stage. Yeah. And, and Jimmy Kimmel, I think, came out. He lit, lit up, up the, the stage. stage. Yeah. I mean, you just it was such a difference between people who are used to hosting. Betty White came out and lit up the stage, even though she was. Uh, she needed uh, a glass of water. Yeah, but she was so funny. And when she had Alec Baldwin come over, I mean. I was just like, she's 96. She had more sparkle in her two minutes uh, of recognition or three minutes than those guys. I, I don't know why I had so much faith that they were going to be that they were going to be funny. I guess because I enjoy their two minute segment on Weekend yeah, Update. That's a very it's a different two minute segment. Yeah, yeah, well, it's longer than that. That Weekend Update. That's, three. No, it's like a ten minute. Is it? Yeah, okay. it's a significant seven minutes or whatever the longest segment that yeah. they have, but. Anyway, so yeah, the hosting was definitely, I would say, one of um, one of the worst moments of the nights. But I thought one of the and, and the opening number was was just a supersized SNL musical monologue, yeah. and it couldn't get over fast enough. Oh, right. Oh, 
Uh, it was oh someone uh, this was this was um <laughs> it was uh, the so Daily bad. Beast. Kevin Fallon said they were the host with the lease. Oof. They didn't know what to do because they were standing. Is what well, this guy right, and <laughs> this funny. is this, but that is a true point. That <laughs> yeah. take note because it is a completely different thing when you're sitting yeah. versus but Maya, standing. But Maya Rudolph and oh, and terrible. Fred as the Emmy experts. It was repetitive, unfunny, and it was like these two are supposed to have chemistry together. And I kept going to the cameraman, please pan over to Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, because she she used to be married to Fred Armisen for like 11 months. 11 months. They did very few camera pan outs. No, you didn't see a lot of this. It was like they don't. They were remember like, Lauren Michael produced yeah. this, and the whole thing they is, produced it like yeah. a shaky SNL, like low key, very much. You know, we're here, we're gonna give some awards away, and and but seriously, it could have been, you know, Maya Rudolph and Fred could have been really excited. Oh, no one was excited that it's an Emmy Award. Did you see telecast Maya and Fred? What they were wearing, what their hair and makeup looked yes. like, and their costumes. They. Yes. Seemed like they were at gunpoint somewhere yeah. behind the stage, having to do that. Donnie, not one <laughs> genuine laugh. And at gunpoint. The laughs were really only did. in the acceptance speeches, and like James Corden was funny. Jeff, um, yeah, people were. There were some great speeches. Michael Douglas was like lovely. the very the very first person who won. Um, the supporting actress, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, that lady, and her character is so, Alex Bornstein. Yes, so yeah. fantastic. And yeah. Neil Justin wrote this morning in the. Star Tribune that he thinks that the 70th annual Emmy Awards was dedicated to making amends with some of the winners, but uh, for Marvel and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel with um, uh, Sh- Amy Sherman Palladino, the creator, mm-hmm. she got what is called the Triple Crown by taking outstanding comedy rookie season and writing, directing the pilot episode, and then her actors winning. Mm-hmm. But when uh, Alex Bornstein, who uh, so great in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is on her, Amazon, by yeah, the way. She plays her manager. Yeah, her manager. She was originally cast in the role, this is from Neil, uh, Justin, in the role of Sookie in Gilmore Girls, which is Amy Sherman Palladino, but she had to drop out when Fox wouldn't let her out of her commitment to Mad TV. And of course, Sookie then was played by Melissa McCarthy. Right. And the dress she wore last night, that silver fox. So when she gets announced that she won, she stands off. She whips up off her shawl that matches her dress. She does a shimmy. shimmy. And she doesn't have a bra on. And I'm like, yeah, you yeah. Go, go. It was exciting. She had so much Wasn't fun with it. Wasn't that her wedding dress? Yeah, it was her wedding dress from failed marriage. marriage yeah. But now it's going to be her Emmy dress. Yeah, she was just fantastic. So we were happy about some of the wins. And that we will talk about like some of the really fun Ex- things that happened that we were excited about and then a, a few we have like maybe two or three uh audio clips to play of people who had much more fun uh time at the awards than the, the calls <laughs> My talk 1071. Well, we are going to talk about the moments at the Emmys that we did love, love. but it, it just wasn't produced right. And Julia was just saying out there, you know, they didn't even have a Chiron or anything going across like what someone won for. You, I, or you, what had, it was on, you know, I mean, it was like low key. So it was almost like Lauren Michaels was not going to give all this non network TV too much publicity. Because yeah. my mom even said to me, No, what show is. What channel is Godless on Netflix? What channel is Amazing Mrs. Mabel? Amazing Amazon. 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 Mm. 
But they really... It's an interesting theory. You didn't know. <laughs> no. I, and we yeah. know more than the average person yes. about inter- the TV shows that were nominated. And I I had to rewind right. to find or out what like these people Atlanta went for. Atlanta had nominations on, you know, FX. Yeah. They didn't. It was like hmm. Lauren Michaels and his people decided, hey, we're NBC. Yeah. We're already yeah. losing it. The only network show really to get nominated was This Is Us. Right. And blackish. Right. Not a lot. It's mostly no. dominated by cable and the stream. It is. Mm-hmm. So, and that's got to be a huge wake up call, too, again. To but these, still, they have yeah. uh, all the ability. In, anyway, so. It uh, wasn't user friendly. No, it wasn't. And But I did think it was really fun. And normally, the first award they usually give to the best supporting actor, actress in a comedy. They started with the guy this time. They yep. started, and it was. Uh, Henry Winkler, which I believe I said yesterday, I hoped we that both he would did. win mm-hmm. for Barry, and and Bill Hader ended up winning yeah, for Barry. He seemed shocked. Yeah, um, I was, and uh, a lot of people I think were see Barry and Atlanta both. I think they're comedies, but they're also dark, satiric, like almost dramedy yeah. because okay. they yes. are. They are taking things that are happening out in the world mm-hmm. and sort of flipping them. So they're not like comedy like you would think, like a blackish or the a young Sheldon. And, right, 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 right. You know, it's, yeah. they're yes. taking some serious stuff, but both Barry and Atlanta. Uh, Barry was on HBO, so Bill Hader won for that. And Atlanta is, Atlanta is on FX. So, yeah. Yeah, we we didn't know that, but that I thought that was fun. So if we want to play Henry Winkler, Winnie. Okay, here we go. I only have 37 seconds. I wrote this 43 years ago. Okay. Okay, can I just say, Skip Brittenham said to me a long time ago, if you stay at the table long enough, the chips come to you. And tonight, I got to clear the table. And, and the kids, kids, Jed, Zoe, and Max, you can go to bed now. Daddy won! <laughs> And he he went on to say how grateful he was for the opportunity and everything. But he's one actor that has been just true to joy for all this time. Yeah, yeah, the funds for people who are a certain age, you know them. But I think Happy Days has been on in reruns forever. Still is. Still is. And there there was a... Cute photo of him and Ron Howard together that they tweeted out. We did it so yeah. many years later yeah, from Happy Days. Yeah. And then the other one I know we were all excited about um, was Matthew Reese oh. winning for the Americans. Finally. And mm-hmm. the writing team winning for the Americans. Because yeah. that show has only won twice. Margot Martindale Should has we... gotten two supporting okay. actress Emmy awards. But that is one of the, has been one of the most under, um, Valued and appreciated yeah. television shows on TV, so well, so good. They said it was kind of like, it, excuse me, Danny. No, no, they said ahead. it was Sorry. kind of like um, all these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, 
Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. What happened when Friday Night Lights was on? It didn't get any awards to the last year. Yeah. When Coach whatever his name was, yeah. you know, got the Best Actor Award mm-hmm. and they got some other awards. But the Americans has been on six years and it never got a significant award. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. No so this love. was this it, was awesome. It, that was so good because I think, and it's an espionage drama and it takes place late 70s to early 80s. It's very eye-opening too on the whole American-Russian relationship and what just exactly, you know, like people who've I was, grown up in Russia... You know how what what their perspective is, and it's, it's undercover spies. It's really, oh. really a wild story, and it would have only been more perfect if um, Carrie Russell would have won because right. Claire Foy won for the Crown. Mm. But I was just like, uh, didn't, I didn't she win last year? It, well, I want we wanted Carrie Russell or right. Sandra Oh. No, Claire Foy hasn't won an oh, Emmy she before. Won. She won a gold. She won a SAG award. Oh, that was it. Okay, but I think people were really wanting. Sandra O oh. to win for mm-hmm. Killing Eve or Carrie so. Russell for that, but I, that was that was fun. And of course, we were thrilled about Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's on Amazon. It's really a great show, Julia. It's about stand up comedy. Remember, Midge turns into a stand up comedian. I'm five in. I'm going to finish it. Also, wasn't it a surprise <laughs> that Merritt Weaver and Jeff Daniels won for God Godless, which was a show? Uh, on Netflix? Pleasant surprise, I would say. Yeah, I'm, well it, deserved. And what is that show about? It's a, it's, it's a cowboy. It okay. is strictly a cowboy western. Is it ever coming back? It was a one and done? No, it's one and done. One and done. Michelle Dockery, Lady Mary is in it. Let's play Jeff Daniels. Oh, Jeff Daniels. He he definitely have him. um, (laughs) We don't, I don't know why we don't have Alex Borenstein for Mrs. Maisel, but here's uh, Jeff Daniels who won Best Supporting Actor for Godless. Eddie Blondes, Paul Martino have been with me since the late 40s. Brandon Clark, who trained me on a horse in Michigan. Felix Delgado, my driver. Kathleen, my wife, my family. Mark Warwick, my horse wrangler. Little tip for you young actors, when they call and say, can you ride a horse, don't lie. We've heard that before. You will find on day one you're in the Kentucky Derby. I'd also, finally, like to thank my horse, <laughs> Apollo. He, um, he was Jeff Bridges' horse on True Grit, and I felt he was making unfair comparisons. <laughs> three times he threw me off the horse, three times. The third and last time I broke my wrist. It's now officially healed. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Just his timing on that was was so good. It was funny. Brilliant. He's a very, very funny man. And he also was nominated in the... The Leaning Towers. Yeah, Leading Actor category for Looming Towers, which is on Hulu. Highly recommended based on the Lawrence Schiller book about 9-11. It's an incredible, incredible... Yep. investigative piece of how the CIA and the FBI didn't talk to each other right. leading up to 9-11. So right. amazing. All right, listen, we come back. Robin Green, the one, the only girl on the masthead for Rolling Stones, is joining us. Life. She's up on all the trends. 
This is the My Talk Now trending report. There are things you need to know. Trending online this is afternoon, Julie Chen, it's official. She is out as moderator of CBS's The Talk. Also, Avatar The Last Airbender trending today. Netflix is making a live action version of that cartoon, Avatar The Last Airbender. Also trending online this afternoon would be Susan Lucci and her article on AOL.com where she reveals how she still looks amazing at age 71. Also trending this afternoon would be Sesame Street because Mark Saltzman, a writer for Sesame Street in the 80s, says he always thought of the Muppet characters as a gay couple and he based the characters on his relationship that he had with his own partner. And also trending online this afternoon would be National Cheeseburger Day. That's what's trending here at my talk. All right, let's take a look at your forecast. Uh, Wet, that's the best word. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us on this rainy Tuesday. We have a treat for you. We're delighted. We have Robin Green with us. Her book is The Only Girl, My Life and Times on the Masthead of Rolling Stone magazine. And, of course, we also know you as a TV writer and producer from your shows Blue Bloods and your work with The Sopranos. But, man, did we love getting to know you through your book. Thank you. Robin. Yeah, here I am. Here I am. And, and, and I'm, in, I'm in Iowa City. I'm like due south of you probably. Oh, right? are, you, are you on your book tour? No. Well, I did read at the Prairie Lights Bookstore here, but my husband and I have returned to the scene of the crime where we met. 43 years ago at the, at, um, at the workshop City. yeah at the workshop so we're teaching a class in television writing um to poor unsuspecting young people <laughs> oh how wonderful well welcome it's to well, the midwest that's right thank you <laughs> it's great to be back here the thunder and lightning is spectacular that was quite a storm oh my gosh it last, last night i was woke up in the middle of the night yeah your book okay your your memoir where you dish on everything about yourself i mean it's sexy, it's <laughs> rowdy, it's dishy, you don't hold anything back. What made you decide to put pen to paper and tell your life story and bear everything? Oh, shall I tell you? Well, I mean, yeah. there's, a few, there's a few factors here. Okay. One is that um, somebody I'd worked with at Rolling Stone became a book agent, or she, she worked in the office. She was one of the chicks in the office. Okay. She became a book agent in New York, and she said, you know, you were the only girl. We really looked up to you. You know, you should write about it. So it, it began that way. And the other motivation was that, you know, three years ago I turned 70, and I feel, I feel just the way I did you know, my whole life, but mm-hmm. inside you, you do. But when you're 70, you kind of look, you look, you're, you're not over the hill exactly, but you're, you're getting there and you're looking down at the rest of the ride and it's like, oh my God, this thing's going to end. Well, so it just seemed to be a, a good time to reflect, go back and pick up the stitches. Robin, you know? Robin, did it take you a long time to write this memoir? Um, no. I mean, should it? Should I say it? Did? No, no, it, no. It did not. It really no. didn't. It took, it took, I I understand that nine months is a short amount of time. <laughs> to me, it seemed forever because I was used to much shorter uh, forms and formats, television and even journalism, though I wrote 10,000 words. This was something like 90,000. So I'd never really undertaken anything like it. I never had as much fun writing anything in my life. It just 
it just uh, wrote itself almost. I mean, it was like automatic writing, but I had to be patient uh, to wait for the the book to take over, if you know what I mean. Right. I mean, it kind of dictated to me. I know people say that, and you think that they're New Age lunatics or something. Yeah. Um, that's sort of the experience. It it, it was it, it was a, a a good experience of writing because I I got to go back and forth in time. I kind of knew how everything turned out, or I mm-hmm. thought I did. You know, yeah. since well, I finished it, I learned that I'm still learning of stuff. You well, know, can you give if you're just joining us? We're talking with Robin Green. Her memoir is the only girl in my life and times in the masthead of Rolling Stone. Can you give people kind of the setup, the like the a brief outline and then we have a lot to ask you about and P.S. we're jealous of the time frame you grew up in too. <laughs> I'm good. You should be. We are. <laughs> Somebody said in one of the blurbs if you thought people were ha- I think Ruth Reichel said if you thought people were having more fun back then you were right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> P.G. with you jealousy. Know, it was a freewheeling time because I mean for a girl which one of you sounds like anyway for a woman um, the pill had just come out, so we were free in that way, in a way we hadn't been before. And, you know, it, it, it engendered maybe a lot of foolish thinking, but also it engendered what it engendered, which felt like freedom. Yeah. To freedom to just do whatever you wanted and not, you know, we were the counterculture. We didn't obey the old strictures, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, somebody, Bruno Bettelheim called it a, a, a prolonged adolescence, and maybe that's true, but... It didn't feel that way. It felt important, and it felt like we were, you know, a kind of tragic generation, too, because we had suffered so much loss. Um, I mean, not that any generation escapes, but we'd lost so many of our musical heroes and so many of our political and cultural heroes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. in the late 60s, Um, early 70s. And and so when you went to, you know, went out west, you know, you've graduated, you've got your English degree, I think, and... Um, you went to a great, you know, college. So you do have your college degree, and you find yourself in San Francisco, and you, I mean, just tell us that story real quickly about. Well, I mean, I was waitressing in one of those little tutu uniforms, yeah. kind of faux, uh, faux roast beef place. It was supposed to be English or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was ridiculous with a little cap and an apron. And serving wench, that's what I had to say. I yeah. was, I'm your serving wench. Oh, my <laughs> word. And um, a friend from college, and by the way, you know, I did go to a wonderful university. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was really prestigious and all that, but I was the first generation to go to college of my immigrant family. My grandparents were immigrants. My parents didn't go. So, you know, to say that I went to Brown is kind of misleading because right. really I was, a, I was a county. I was born in Providence. So mm-hmm. I had that kind of... Uh, life experience up until that point, right. but I did find myself as a writer there, and a friend from college um, recommended somebody at Rolling Stone that I could go and maybe I thought maybe get a job as a secretary or something really cool, because Rolling Stone to me, I just read it cover to cover almost, and I, well, not all of it, but yeah. not the music reviews, but, but for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I the like interviews. What's that? You read the interviews, the great stories that Rolling well, Stone had. Well, I got had. to do the big cover features, yeah. I yeah. mean, I did right away. and I, Because I went to this fellow to, to interview for a job uh, as, as I thought a receptionist. And I was selling myself as a secretary. I was very organized. I'd been a secretary. And he just said, and by the way, 
I dressed in my own clothes, you know, I dressed in this kind of ribald jacket and, and short skirt, and I didn't wear my secretarial disguise at mm-hmm. all, and I took my dog with me. I love that. And, I love that. <laughs> well, it was because when I went to see Alan Winsler, the publisher of Straight Arrow Books, which is who my appointment was with, he had his dog. And yeah. I just thought, I'm home. This is it. I'm not leaving. So, and you, he said, But he said, why do you want to be a receptionist? Um, why don't you just, I'll set you up with an interview with Ian Wenner, and maybe you can write something for us. My friend had told him I was a really good writer. And then I, I got my chance, and I took it. I know. And, and you really did. I mean, starting with, you know, we, we're going to run out of time. I just want to, you, you. Oh, 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 oh let's I, not run out of you're, time. Oh. You're, you're one of our, one of our favorite you know, our idol growing up, our boyfriend kind of was David Cassidy. And that, oh, and I'm so sorry. I know, I'm and, sorry. and how you crushed him. <laughs> and Annie Leibovitz with the naked photo and the story. But I, I kind of, I love your approach that you were just balls to the walls and you never yeah. thought about the recourse or anything. And, and when you had this journalistic, you know, slap in the face kind of was when you were supposed to interview Bobby Kennedy's kids and you sleep with oh, one yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you <laughs> you have integrity there and you're like, I can't do this, you know, and that kind of got you fired. And then how you went on the Sopranos and stuff. But I your book and I don't read uh, the autobiographies. Lori is the voracious mm-hmm. the memoirs. Lori's the voracious oh, reader so here. Lori, I thought it was looking at Lon on this piece of paper. No, it's, it's Lori and Julia. We're women. This is so much fun. Yeah. But we we this book is so juicy and so good and so poignant. And your stories about, you know, your friendship with your girlfriend, Ronnie, and, you know, yeah. it, it's just, it gives, I guess for me, you know, I have, um, um, like, I've always kind of been fascinated at the group of women that came, like, after my mom. Right. And that uh-huh. really came of age, like, in the 60s and 70s, right. whereas Julia and I would be, you know, the 70s and 80s. But, like, who those first group of women were that were kicking down barriers. doors and barriers and figuring it out. It's just... Yeah. That's a... I guess, Thank you. I guess your book is a very good portrait of... I Like, I feel like my Aunt Claudia would relate to this because she's about the same age and... You know, and she has talked to me about that. She said, you don't know that what a loss it was to be in your late teens and 20s and go through everything that happened, like just from 68 to 72. Yeah, it's true. It was, and, you know, when you're young, life slows down. So yeah. those years were really long. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, um, Robin, talk to us because you do end up at, you know, you were at Rolling Stone. You know, you you were there. You were on the masthead. You were there for like three years. You end up falling in to TV and we're really fascinated with, you know, the, the Sopranos and that you were on that show writing the head writers, you and your husband on the Sopranos for the first five years. I'm curious, mm-hmm. did you specifically write a lot of Tony's moms, you know, Nancy Marchand? I can't think of her character's name. Her, uh, Olivia. Yeah, did Olivia. you did you write a lot of her dialogue? No, I mean, my husband writes women beautifully and really... We everyone writes everything. Okay, you write words, everything. You go home with you go home with an outline. This is what we're teaching. Go home for an, with an outline for an episode which you've, you've drawn up in the story room, and it's taken around three or four weeks to even do that. Got it. And you write your own episode, and then you go and produce your own episode. So 
I wrote, I loved writing Tony. <laughs> yeah. I love Tony. I love James Gandolfini. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that must have been, been crushing so too. And you know, when you write in your, in your book that, you know, David Chase, the creator of the Sopranos, you know, he doesn't recognize what he has with you. It almost sounds like he was like jealous or something. And he lets you and Mitch go. And I do feel as someone who watched the Sopranos live, you know, every week, you know, that it was on that the sixth season was a letdown except for the very last episode, which I happen to like the ending, but you're now that I know that it was your voices that were gone. I'm Bradley trainer and I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called blinded by the item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like this. A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Fun. Well, you know, part of it was that it was great in the beginning. Five years is really about it, unless it, it, it can get difficult after five years. And, and the edges were starting to fray in our relationship even before that. So uh, um, I think he did appreciate what he had yeah. in me for a long time. Okay. And then he didn't, until he didn't. Yeah, until he didn't. It was, like, a breakup. It was right. like I, you know, getting my heart broken by a guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was really awful, and I hated it. But. Yeah. Um, but that was that. That's what happened. Yeah. Will you be on our show again? Oh, gosh, I hate to hang up. <laughs> no, I know. I love I, talking to you. This is so much fun. Thank you. You're absolutely... And, I mean, you wrote on Northern Exposure, Exposure, which was one of our favorite shows back and, in the day, and you created Blue, Blue Bloods, Bloods, which my mom was just like, you just thank that lady so much for creating Blue Bloods. Uh, yeah, no, I know. It's it's what it's what we needed to do after The Sopranos in terms of a hero. Well, yeah. An anti-hero, you know? Just to kind of cleanse ourselves of a certain toxicity of, of dwelling in the mob for that long, you know. Right. Um, but it all it all somehow worked out, you know. Yeah. And I love it that you're back in Iowa at the writers' um, shop and and do yeah. teaching writing for television. Um, yes. Just for the semester. It's too hard to do it any more than that. Teaching is the hardest thing. Really. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. All right, we got to go. We got to ask you one last question, Robin, because we're going to call you again. But what's the last great book you read? Well, I'm reading a great book now called um, Asymmetry. And I wish I could remember the name of this author. I have forgotten her name. That's okay. uh, It's written by a woman. And there's another woman's uh, book written by the poet laureate of Mississippi called Heating and Cooling, which you must go out and buy. Okay, Heating and Cooling. Heating and cooling, okay. and, and her, I think her name is Finnerty, but, you know, it's just a, a show of my age that I can't remember. <laughs> That's okay. I don't age anymore. It's nobody's name. So um, thanks for reading my book. Oh, That's wonderful. You. The was... Only Girl, My Life and Times on the Masthead of the Rolling Stone with Robin Green. We've got a couple copies to give away. When we come back, we've got to talk. Yeah. Thank you, mm-hmm. Robin, so much. We appreciate it. Um, yeah. six five one six four one one zero seven one.
Julia. And if you were just listening to our interview with the author, Robin Green, the only girl my life and times on the masthead of Rolling Stone. Fantastic. Julia, I am impressed with you because you don't always read I don't. the memoirs. And this is this, so juicy. It just really is It's good. so juicy. Very gonzo journalist. Mm-hmm. And she scandalized mm-hmm. David Cassidy. Yeah, she did. Yeah, fans with that yeah. profile yeah, in 1972. And it was Annie Leibovitz who talked him into taking a That's shirt funny, off. Yeah. Don't you want to be cool? Don't you want to change your you image? You don't want to be a square. Right. Mm-hmm. I love the words. Yeah. Groovy. Square. Okay, so last <laughs> night, you know, um, we've been talking about this thing we're doing, Project Down and Dirty Stand Up. Oh, that thing. Yeah, there's like a hundred tickets left. Yeah. Oh, um, you know, not a bad seat in that mistake. No, there oh, isn't. If you need so, to come and see our humiliation, please okay. do. So, $35 for charity. So, you know, the other day I was having a mild panic attack. You took me into the room mm-hmm. and like, okay, you can do this. It's not going to be a big deal. I'll help you write the jokes. Like, we've never done this before in our no, life. No, I know, but I'm going to no write idea. jokes. I'm okay, going to write jokes. But we too. don't know how to do it. No, I know. So then I'm letting that simmer and then I go away for the week and I said to everybody well, we've got to write jokes this weekend because I've got this thing coming up nothing happened yeah then I come in yesterday and fine and then I remember how close we are to that date October oh, it, 5th yeah and um I stop in to be Arthur's office last night and said you know like I just want to get an idea of how long you're thinking the stand-up will be I thought they said six minutes yeah okay she goes six or seven minutes. I said, that is a really long time. She goes, well, that's it. So, fine. Go home, watch the Emmys, <laughs> then start, like we had discussed, to watch stand-up comedians. And I chose Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers. Well, listen to this. Phyllis Diller's for Diller stand-up act, okay? Thank you. Thank you. You think I'm overdressed? This is my slip. <laughs> Funny now, I'm going to tell you the truth about what I'm wearing. I used to work as a lampshade in Las Vegas. <laughs> now, you may think my legs are funny. <laughs> but there's one man in this world who's absolutely crazy about my legs. Colonel Sanders. Those chicken legs. The funny thing is that modern medical science never comes up with anything to help me. Now, I thought I found something on my own. I found a money-back guarantee on a beauty cream. <laughs> Rushed down to the store, they took one look at me, paid me in advance. <laughs> so then I bought one of those girdles with the magic fingers. Wouldn't you know the one I got had arthritis? <laughs> so then I tried out that new baking soda deodorant. It only works if you're sitting in the refrigerator. <laughs> So then I went into the dress department. I told the lady I was a medium. Well, she wanted me to contact her dead Uncle Fred. (laughs) So then she absolutely insisted that I try on this certain dress. She said, Madam, this dress is so sexy, it'll give your husband ideas. I said, why, does a brain come with it? (laughs) So then I went over to the perfume counter and talked to the lady with the blue hair. My goodness. Your circulation is worse than mine. (laughs) And I told her I wanted to buy something sexy to catch a man. You ready? Sold me 20 feet of rope and a gun. (laughs) Well, she goes, we are living in the midst of the world's greatest sexual revolution. And what do you want to bet? I end up on the losing side. (laughs) That was two minutes, Lori. Okay. She went through like 30 jokes. Mm. That was two Two minutes. 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 Okay. 
Now here is so then my my friend. So who, a woman walks into Mystic, <laughs> Lori's Mystic, one. Mystic Casino, and gets up on on the stage and. Oh, you're, oh, you're everybody, funny. what are yeah. you doing? Oh, no, no. I'm just saying that's how all like really, if you think about it, you know, everything boils down to a simple setup. You walk out on stage and have your stool and your glass of water, yeah. your microphone. Okay, that's a joke you're writing. We're gonna need so much. No, that's not a joke. I'm just telling I mean, you the facts. Okay, setting so the stage. So, I'm so, setting the stage. Okay, so here's. Because you can you can do one liners, you can be a political satirist, you can do social taboo stuffs, you can do did you ever notice observation kind of humor, you know, there's that. Well the self deprecating is the, good, yeah. So. But, okay, so now here is our champion, our boss, yeah, talking about how well I'm gonna do on the morning show last Thursday. Okay. So go ahead. All right. Um, so here's my prediction, and I just want to see if you guys agree. For this me. is what's going to happen when Julia does stand up. For three days, they're going to try and work with her on a routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like six, seven minutes, right? Yeah. And she's going to kind of work on it. It's going to, there's going to be written material. She's going to stand on that stage, and she maybe will utter four words of the routine. <laughs> yeah. And then she's just going to abandon it, and it's going to go off the rails. Oh, she's going to free ball. She's going to totally free ball. Yeah. And it's just going to go completely crazy. Now, did you hear... In a good way. <laughs> I didn't pick up that. Okay. I didn't pick up I free up, balling. I, yeah, not, not, a, not a legitimate stand-up comedy uh, term. Okay, well, according... You're going to get out there and free ball time. Oh, yeah. This would be Robin Williams' sort of stream of consciousness. I'm not that. I'm not funny like that. Maybe we can find some mushrooms, some magic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, lady walks into a bar. She says, "What does she say?" She's another round. I'll have what you're I'll have what you're. Oh God, Lori, keep. <laughs> We're in so much trouble. Oh, Seriously, yeah. that was only two minutes. Yeah, I know. <laughs>